You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Seven Chakras, episode 238. The greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will transform your life. So if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, then I want to let you know that you have arrived at the right podcast. Right before we begin, let's listen to a recent iTunes review by Alicia Bernard, who says, I barely started listening to podcasts. I look forward to Every episode, listening while I'm doing dishes, doing downtime at work, driving to and from work, does not matter when. Totally grounds me. I have quite a few episodes that resonate with me. Goosebumps never fail to overcome my being. So I appreciate your podcast immensely. Action Taker, if you feel compelled to write us a similar motivating and inspiring podcast review, then make sure you take a few moments to share your thoughts and views. I really love reading the reviews that I receive each and every day. And it gives me the energy to move on and create some amazing episodes for you. And as you've noticed, I also read the reviews on air. So especially if you've been listening for a while and you want to write a review right away, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash review. It's seven as in the word seven. My7chakras.com forward slash review. You never know the impact that even one review from you can have on someone's life because reading your review will help them understand the transformation that our podcast brings to people's lives. All right, with that being said, it is now time to bring on our special guest for today, Sandra Marinella. So Sandra, are you ready to inspire? I am ready to inspire. Great. So Sandra Marinella is an award-winning writing teacher and author from Chandler, Arizona. She has taught 
thousands of students and presented hundreds of writing workshops. Her articles have appeared in the English Journal, the Arizona English Bulletin, and Seventeen. When she discovered she had breast cancer, she rewrote her personal story and began working on writing to heal with cancer patients and veterans. Her new book, The Story You Need to Tell, Writing to Heal from Trauma, Illness or Loss, that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And I'm so excited to have her on our show. So Sandra, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Thank you. So with that, let's begin our show with some inspiration. Sandra, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life? Well, um, I thought a lot about this because I love so many quotes, but I found um, the one at the beginning of my new book, The Story You Need to Tell, and it has been profound in my life, so I, I think I'm going to tap into that particular one. And the particular quote is, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. And I love that particular quote because it it's, it's historic. I mean, this is a show about wisdom and, and our search for wisdom, and I am certainly that. I'm certainly a wisdom seeker trying to figure life out and on a course to understand. And this quote can be traced back to Confucius, and it comes forward in history and has been given a sign to many people. I think people just like it so much they keep mm-hmm. saying it. And most recently, um, we credit Nelson Mandela with it. And I, I think that's probably true because his life was one of such um, such drive to help people make their way through hard times and be resilient. And that is absolutely my connection to this beautiful quote. I think um, life is all about um, learning to be resilient, learning to renew yourself and walk forward. And I would have to say in looking back, in um, 2012, I was. I thought I had my perfect job. Mm-hmm. I had taught high school for many years and then was offered a job at a community college teaching creative writing, which was sort of a dream job, and I was enjoying it. And I went to the doctor and learned, boom, um, that I had um, cancer. And, and I just felt for a few days like I had slipped down this tremendous black hole. And I visited a doctor and thought, oh, well, this is going to be easy. I'll just have a lumpectomy. I'll get through this. But um, that's not the way it worked. I found myself um, really in the bottom of a black hole, struggling with shock and being told by doctors that I needed to have immediate surgery to remove both breasts. And it was traumatizing, absolutely traumatizing. So I was able, um, I think, to use this quote and this kind of thinking in my life to reach out to my community, uh, seek out my writing, seek out my journaling practice, and begin to um, find my, my way forward. And my book, The Story You Need to Tell, is really about that pattern of how we can um, take our hard times and we can rewrite our stories. And I think this quote embodies it so well. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing this quote. One of my favorite quotes as well, Action Tribe, your greatest glory, our greatest glory lies in rising every time we fall. So if you are in a phase of your life where you're sort of at the bottom of a black hole like Sandra is sharing with us, maybe you go to sleep every night wishing to wake up from the dream that you find yourself in. Or if you're not able to believe that this just happened to you, know that uh, you know, it is a human experience of going through challenges and trials and uh, painful circumstances. But know that this too shall pass, that you are meant for greatness and that you have to persist and be resilient 
uh, in going through your challenges because at the end of it lies the light. So thanks a lot for sharing that uh, wonderful quote with us, uh, Sandra. And with that, let's dive in. Uh, what inspired you to write your book, The Story You Need to Tell? Well, um, I think, as I mentioned, um, in 2012, I learned I had breast cancer and I already really had a lifelong journal writing habit. I mean, I was one of those people that was really blessed to have a mother that kept a stack of books by the bedside and was always mm. reading to us and always reading. And I had a father who loved writing. So when I was eight or nine, he gave me a journal. And so I feel really blessed because I was able from a very young age to go ahead and establish that I would write. Uh, but I think um, that this business of having a challenge, having something overwhelming happen to you is when the writing is most powerful. And of course, when I learned um, I had this, this cancer, it was certainly a turning point for me. I had to pull back from work and pull back from responsibilities. And as I healed, the idea of this book was just um, a powerful lightning bolt in my life. It seemed mm -hmm. to take hold of me and say, wow. All your life, you've been using writing to heal. You have spent 30 years in classrooms helping other people use writing to heal. This seems like a gift that you are supposed to help others discover. And so that was really my inspiration. Um, that's what allowed me to take off and commit myself to the research, the interviews, and the intense writing for the last five years. It was a, a mm -hmm. very inspiring, rewarding process. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing that background with us. You mentioned that you had a lifelong journaling habit, right? So you were yes. thankfully born into a wonderful household where both your parents encouraged you to write and your father, in fact, uh, you know, gave you the journal. So as a kid, you know, you, you started writing and, and journaling and sharing your thoughts. But like you so profoundly shared with us, uh, journaling is most powerful when you have a life challenge in your life. And that's when you can use writing to heal. And that's what we're going to learn more about uh, through this interview. But before that, uh, Sandra, why do you think our story, you know, our personal story, why is it so powerful? And why is it so important to sort of make sense of our story? Oh, I, I love this question. Thank you for asking it, AJ. I, I think one of the most profound things in preparing and in writing this book was discovering all the neuroscience that has happened in the last couple of decades that really establishes that we are our stories, that, we, that human beings are storytelling animals that we get up in the morning telling stories, we go to the lunchroom sharing stories from Facebook, or we come home at night and share what happened during our day, we dream in stories. We really are defined by stories. It's the way our brain tells us who we are and allows us to find ourselves. So it's, it's amazing how, how important it is in terms of us keeping ourselves healthy and finding our well-being and healing ourselves when we face uh, an illness or a loss. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So love that. I love what you're sharing. You said that we are defined by our stories. Uh, and quite, reality, uh, quite really, uh, I think I've heard this first said by Tony Robbins or maybe Les Brown or, or both of them, where they talk about the importance of the story, the reality that each of us lives based on the story that we tell ourselves. And at the end of the day, we really have this choice, right? Do we let the stories drive our life or do we create or recreate our own story so that we can be more 
empowered to yes. move in the direction that we want to head in. So uh, love what you shared. Now, a sentence that caught my attention from your book is that most of us have a story and sometimes we don't even know that our story is waiting to be told. I think that's powerful. So could you elaborate on that a bit? I, I think I saw that. I, I interviewed um, over 100 writers mm-hmm. and veterans and cancer patients. I particularly went out of my way um, to work with people who I thought might have broken stories. Yeah. And I think that um, they, they were pretty easy to find, the broken stories. I think oftentimes um, life is, is just whizzing by so fast. I mean, we're so involved in everything we're doing. We're so committed um, to all, all the um, to our job and to um, social media and to all these things around us that we forget um, we forget to be in the moment. We forget to examine ourselves, and a mm-hmm. difficult thing can happen. Uh, I particularly saw this with the veterans. The veterans that I work with oftentimes had been uh, in Afghanistan or Iraq, and they had been at war in some. Terrible had happened, and they had not addressed the story at all. They had not talked about it, written about it. They were supposed to buck up and be strong and carry on. So, when they came home, they suffered from PTSD. They really struggled. And when I was working with them, they would suddenly realize that their anger was beginning to bubble up in the mm. stories they were writing or the stories they were sharing in our writing group. Because they had never addressed these things. They had forgotten about them. They'd been able to deny or, you know, just put them down at the bottom of their mind and not deal with them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why many of us, we, we have these things that we just haven't had time to attend to. And they can cause tremendous illness, both psychological mm-hmm. and physical. I mean, it's very clear that the research shows us that it can really cause um, physical and psychological harm to us if we bury these uh, stories inside got it so what i'm getting is that you need to somehow in some way address the experiences that you've had right so whether it's uh you know during a war or maybe if it's a traumatic relationship or anything like that you need to address the experiences that you've had so that you can make make sense of the of 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 what happened to you and uh you know sometimes if you don't address it then you know just it doesn't mean that it disappears right that experience goes down in your subconscious and manifests in some way or the other that you can't make sense of. But when you do address it, like you've helped people doing in these writing groups, uh, the, the story bubbles up, right? Whatever emotion that they felt during that period bubbles up, and so they are able to release it. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely mm. correct. It, it's going to come out somehow. It can come out in illness if you don't address right. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you go about choosing uh, whom to interview you know, while writing a book? Since you mentioned you've interviewed over 100 writers, how, what was the process like? Well, um, it, it was interesting because when, when I started the book, I was recovering from my cancer. Okay. And I, I realized that I had worked with writers my entire life. So my first source of stories were the 27 journals that I had. I had kept journals my life, my entire life. So I went back and reread them, and it was such a wonderful wonderful um, learning experience to do that. I had never done it. So I began pulling stories from my classroom, and then I realized that I go to writing conferences all the time, and I certainly go to Omega Omega and Esalen and um, the Self is Source, many, many writing venues that I attend and work with, and I was able to to interview writers who were willing to talk to me um, about the power of their writing. One, one of the greatest resources I had was this wonderful poet, Ellen Bass. Um, mm-hmm. 
She um, works out of California, and she had written a powerful, best-selling book called Courage to Heal, and she connected me with many folks. And then I had made up my mind, because I was a cancer patient, that I would go um, up to Piper Cancer Center, where I was treated, and I would start working with the cancer patients there. So I began working with them, and if they volunteered to be interviewed and volunteered to be in the book, um, I you know, would take it seriously and interview them. And my husband, believe it or not, my husband um, was from the Vietnam War era. He didn't have to go. He was too young, but but he knew many guys that did go. And actually, my husband is um, a qualified disabled veteran. So he had come to me and said, you know, I'm th- this this issue, the, the stories that veterans deal with, um, yeah. it needs needs to be attended to. So I went downtown to the VA hospital in Phoenix, which at the time um, was all over the front pages of the newspaper for having problems. And they, But they embraced me. They were great and wonderful. And they embraced me and asked me to work with some of their PTSD patients. And for two, two and a half years, I did. I went every Thursday, worked with those folks, and ended up interviewing and um, putting some of the writings of those folks in my book. Just just beautiful work. I saw Mm -hmm. such transformation as these individuals stepped forward, realizing the power of their story and their need to share it. Wonderful. So I love the fact that you firstly went through your journals, since you you wonderfully collected all these journals uh, over the years, and you sort of went through the notes that you've taken. And it brought to my mind the experience that I had. I'm based in Vancouver, Canada right now, but recently I had gone back to my hometown in Mumbai, India. And I had opened up my, you know, closet. And I did find a journal from over five years back. You know, it was crazy. And I think we we tend to forget the challenges that we sort of had back in the day. Uh, you know, right. so we might have had a challenge. We took steps or actions or we had experiences that sort of overcame those challenges. But to just go through the fact that I was having a lot of uh, issues with stress or maybe thoughts sort of running my mind and not being able to change or, uh, you know, adapt to new habits uh, was, was fascinating, you know. And so it took me back in time just by reading the, my journal entries. And I am not a, such a pro- prolific uh, journal writer like you are, but I sure understand the power that journaling has and you know how it helps you express your story. So wonderful. Thanks for sharing. I, I would like to add something there. You, you really, I, I, I had at the time 27 journals and maybe I have 30 now, mm. but I have interviewed people that have 300 journals and people <laughs> that have two journals. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, the I just can't believe the difference. And, and I can tell you that after interviewing them and checking the data and the research, which is profound in this area, it really does not matter the amount you write. Oh, okay. um, it's, it's more that you have some kind of practice and when you have some kind of challenge or issue that you, you, you understand how to reflect, how to use writing for story transformation. And that's really... Um, that's really what inspired me to write the book was the idea mm. that people don't understand the power of story transformation and using their stories and their words to reflect their story back to themselves so they can make changes in that story. Got it. Now, as a teacher, you once had a student named Ben who had an untold story to share, right? Could you talk oh, yes. to us about oh, that yes. story? I love that story. Yes, I, I love Ben is not his real name. I, I changed his name, sure. but um, Ben... Um, 
was a student in my high school um, senior English class, and he, he was one of those um, quiet, um, withdrawn students who would hardly talk to anyone, and he seemed angry and frustrated, and this was at the beginning of his senior year, and slowly but surely, I felt like, well, you know, you have a sign above your says it head that says, don't bother me, but my job is to bother you. And mm-hmm. I did knock down that sign. And I was able to talk with Ben and find out that he was really struggling, that his uncle had died during the summer and his uncle had been his best friend and that he was really ripped up about this. And so slowly, um, he not only could talk to me in little bits, he could also write about this in his high school classroom journal. And when we began to um, write a narrative, I said to him, you know, Ben, if you, if you want to write about that, if you're ready, you can. And he chose to. He actually chose to write his narrative for our class on the experience of his uncle dying. Mm. And one day, I think much to his own surprise, he sort of shot his hand up when I asked volunteer to read their narratives. And Ben volunteered and read his narrative. And initially, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's, he's not going to be able to do this. Mm. But he did it. He found his voice and he read this beautiful narrative, which was also sad because because it was about all the wonderful things he did um, with his uncle riding bikes and uh, going to concerts and especially U2, and they loved the song Beautiful Day. And then he described a not-so-beautiful day at the end of this essay where he explained that he had um, come home one day and opened the garage and found his uncle had shot himself to death. Mm. So this was absolutely overwhelming. Um, he read this in class, and there were tears in that in that classroom. I mean, there is often, when we're willing to go deep, there are often, um, we strike our, our hearts, and there were tears. Um, the bell rang, and slowly people came up and hugged Ben and left, and I thanked him, and, and later he told me that helped so much. It helped so much to share my story. And I knew, although that story, the death, the suicide of his uncle would never be a good story. It could never be right. Mm. Um, I knew that I was watching Ben, uh, as I had seen many times in in many classes, I was watching Ben change. I was watching him take this story and move it from um, the deep emotions over to a place where he could reframe it and and help it make sense in his life. Wonderful. And I think that's a gift for his entire life, right? Because now he has the ability to change what the story means to him. Oh yes, serves him right. So I'm sure that yes, he he did reframe his life. I I would not have have put the story in if he hadn't. He went on to college. He's done beautifully, and he even has done some work uh, at the Tillman Center at his college in helping other helping other veterans with some of their problems. So um, he did make meaning. Not only make meaning of this, he was able to move forward with it. Got it. Now, coming back to your story, there was a phase uh, in your life when you were battling postpartum depression, correct? Yes. Oh, yes. I remember it well. (laughs) So so let's talk about that phase. Uh, What was life like for you at that point? Well, I I was a young teacher at the time, and I had just had my second child, my second baby, and I I had to work. My husband um, had started a business, and we had a lot of bills, and they were difficult to pay. And he was also working full-time and running his business at night. So, I mean, the time element in our lives, we just felt stretched beyond belief in a million different directions. And and I think 
the the stress of having a baby and going back to work so quickly was was just too much for me. Um, uh-huh. And I can look through my journals now and realize um, how difficult it was. I I just I just couldn't juggle it all. That's all there was to it. I ended up seeing a counselor. He said you definitely have postpartum, and he didn't. I, I don't know. He he advised that I take some medication, which I tried and I didn't think it worked and I didn't understand medication back then or, mm-hmm. you know, understand that you have to get the right one or whatever. So I just went right off of it, which probably didn't help anything. Mm-hmm. And I turned to my journal then and I I can look back and powerfully see that my journal became a wonderful support for me. Um, the counselor was okay, but the journal was something I had every day and and I could scream and yell and get my frustrations out. And then I can also look in my journal and see that eventually I was able to start making lists of what I needed to do to help myself to get the timing right and to change our lives so that mm-hmm. they would be a little more manageable for small children and for us. And so I that was one of my first, in, in rereading my journals, that was one of the points where I just thought, wow. You really turned this around. It it didn't happen overnight, yeah. but but by slowly writing my way through, I, I and I made sense of what was happening, and I changed what was happening in our lives for the better. Right. Now you 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 sort of spoke about your journey with cancer a while back in our interview. So my question is, how did you first come to know about it that that you had cancer? Well, there was a lot of cancer in my family. Mm-hmm. So I was getting uh, an annual mammogram and I it was right before Christmas and I you know went in hurriedly for the mammogram and and uh, immediately they said well you need to come back after Christmas which is not a good sign <laughs> when they oh, said, yeah. we want to talk to you but not today <laughs> not right Enjoy before not the day before Christmas. <laughs> so I yeah. did go back and of course I was sort of braced for for the announcement but um I I think all of us we we think we can manage these things, but shock is shock. So I definitely went into shock when I had that diagnosis, and I found myself at home um, on the kitchen floor in early January in 2012, sort of rocking back and forth trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do now. Of course, my, my partner, my husband, was on the other side of, of the country in a business <laughs> meeting. Mm-hmm. So I had to face it alone for a few days, and um, it it was that's that's how I found out. <laughs> sure. And and what st- what what options or alternatives did you have in front of you at that point to deal with the cancer? Well, uh, I I had some wonderful alternatives. I, by then, um, by by 2012, I was. Uh, uh, an expert journaler. <laughs> I, was, <Yeah. laughs> I had used writing all my life uh, to navigate hard things, and I realized the power of it. So I did immediately begin. I went. I went right out. I think to my local bookstore and bought a bright red journal that I okay. called my cancer journal, <laughs> and I began writing profusely uh, how to get my how to make my way through this. And but the other alternative, the other thing that I turned to immediately were my friends and that community of friends pulled together for me and helped share information. Uh, I have to say this about breast cancer for, for people going through it. It really is a model if you reach out, and it's hard to reach out because when something traumatic happens, it's much easier to be silent. It's, it's just hard to open up and admit that there's a problem here. But when you reach out, if you have breast cancer, there are a lot of people who have had it. There are a lot of people who are willing to support you, as I am now. I mean, I do a lot of reach out, 
outreach and work with, with other, not just, I make it a point to, to work with not just breast cancer patients, but all cancer patients, because it's, it's hard. The journey through cancer is a very difficult one. It's a terrible disease that we have not conquered yet. So those are the things, the main things, the writing, the mm-hmm. prayerful meditation, of course, that's a big yep. part of my life. And um, the community of friends I have are all there to, to embrace me and to make this difficult journey doable. Got it. So, you know, it's so important to have that support group, right? Your community of friends who are there to provide you information or give you feedback or connect you with somebody who might be able to help you on your journey, but it's also important to go inward and uh, connect with you and connect maybe with your guides or connect with your higher higher self through journaling. So it's, it's, I love the fact that you took a combination approach of, 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 of both going inwards, but also going outwards. Uh, Now we're talking about this. We're talking about journaling and I I know that you write this in your book, but for someone listening right now, what are some of the benefits of expressive writing? Oh, expressive writing. I I think I had known because I had seen this in classrooms my entire life. But mm-hmm. I don't think I fully understood that expressive writing has amazing physical and psychological benefits that it can um there there are studies and I have to I have to tip my hat to um James Pennybaker from mm-hmm. the University of Texas in Austin because back in the 80s he really started um, the profound body of work that has um, multiplied through the years um, that shows that expressive writing, and not just expressive writing, also sharing our stories, okay. uh, that it can heal us physically, psychologically, even socially. And one of my favorite um, areas of research is spiritually. It can help us find our way, find our spiritual path as well. Nice, nice. So I'm, I'm loving what you're sharing and the fact that you are definitely an expert as far as journaling because you've done it all your life. Uh, and of course, as you've alluded to in this interview, there's definitely a system, right, uh, towards journaling and moving from uh, having that experience to actually healing. So could you talk, walk us through the, you know, the, the, the five logical stages um, that you write about briefly? I, I would love to do that because I, I think this was my big finding. And I think mm-hmm. um, I'm so thrilled that people have embraced this theory, that they that they think it, it does make good sense. But I, I know um, oftentimes when we first experience a shock, whether it's um, the death of a loved one or a diagnosis like I had or, or a divorce, a surprise that you hadn't expected and a relationship sure. breakup, you, you experience um, the first stage tends to be pain and the grief is normal and often often takes a long time. So we, we have to allow ourselves, for example, when 9-11 happened and I was teaching a high school classroom, um, I did not oh. say, okay, pull out your journals, let's write about this. I mean, people were in shock. Um, I did not turn to writing. I mean, the first stage is really um, stand back and absorb. Um, Don't don't go racing in to solve the problem. Just take it on because your brain has to wrap itself around this new story, this new event, this new happening. And that's not an easy task because it's a complicated, uh, a complicated process. Sure. But when when you do, um, once you are comfortable. And I think people like who write 
continually and are used to journaling as a way of doing this, they probably come to the journal a little more quickly. But it's it's okay not to. I, I love to say, hey, I'm I'm yes, I'm a writing teacher and I believe writing to heal and to transform works. But you don't have to jump right in there and do it. There are times when you should not write. Mm-hmm. So the second stage is breaking your silence. And that is critical and it's also difficult. Uh, it's so hard. When I had cancer, it really was hard to tell people. Uh, when I wrote the first a few drafts of my book, I didn't put my own cancer journey in it. It really was my own writing group that said to me, wait a minute, you're writing about the story you need to tell and you haven't broken your silence about yeah. your own cancer in your own book. And I had to go back and redraft. And that was such a great experience for me to understand more fully what the cancer patients and the veterans and all of us are going through with trauma. So breaking your silence is critical and sometimes it takes a while, but it's beautiful because it allows you to break the repeating cycle of a broken story. Mm-hmm. And you you had mentioned one earlier and I know I worked with one abuse victim who just could not get a, a story out of her brain about abuse she had experienced until she was able to break her, her silence. And through some poems she shared in our veterans class, start talking about the fact that she had been abused. So mm-hmm. once you break that silence, the third stage is accept and piece together your story. Once the silence is over and you can you know, have the catharsis of getting it out, releasing it, and sure. moving it even from the right brain where it can be you know, an emotional mess over to the left brain where you can start to make fit the pieces the puzzle together and try to reframe the story so it will work in your life. And the fourth stage is how to find meaning in it. How do you find meaning in what has happened to you? And in for my in my case, it, it was okay. I want my cancer to make sense to me. Once I kind of made sense of it and understood that probably I had a family history that contributed to it, how could I help other people with this, then I began working with cancer patients, mm-hmm. and the rewriting and moving forward is is exactly that. Once you feel you've reframed and understand the story, you have all kinds of creative power um, to move forward. You're not being drained of this emotional trauma anymore, so you can... And you can move forward. In my case, this was writing this book and sharing um, with other people um, the power of this this process. Got it. So just to clarify, the fourth stage is basically finding meaning from your story, right? And what is the fifth stage? The, the last stage is the, the actual moving forward. When you have found the meaning, you then have the emotional energy to decide, okay, I understand what happened to me. Now, is there some, some way I can move forward in the world and make the world better because of it? And uh, again, for me, that was the writing of the book and talking with you, AJ, and working with veterans and cancer patients to help them understand the process that they can that they can find story transformation if they're willing to share difficult stories, stories that need to be told, and they're willing to write and and move forward. Got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. There are five logical stages to writing and healing. First stage is the pain and grief. Like uh, Sandra says, it often takes a long time to heal. And during the stage, it's just important to stand back and experience it and absorb and not worry too much about making meaning or writing down your story. The second stage is breaking your silence. Third stage is 
accepting and piecing together your story. Fourth stage, finding meaning from your story. And fifth stage is actually pulling it all together and moving forward. Now, Sandra, in, in, in stage three, uh, this is the stage that um, sometimes I struggle with as well. How does a person go about putting these stories together in a logical framework? How do they go about piecing together their story? Is there a, any advice that you'd recommend? Uh, yes, I, I, yes, there are many, many prompts and many exercises I think that can help you do this. But for one, I'll just give you an example for one. I think accepting and piecing together the story involves writing about the challenge, writing the entire story out and taking a look at it and addressing how you feel about it and what thoughts you have about it and the final thing is incredibly important, what you can do about it, you know, how you would like to reframe this now in your life. Because when you start reframing it, when you start looking at possibilities, you start making it, um, you, you're able to find the meaning in it. You're able to make the changes that allow you to go from just catharsis and, and I'm getting rid of these emotions and I, I'm handing this story over. Um, but you have to, you can't just forget a story. If yeah. You you have to deal with it. You have to deal with whatever, you know, I had to deal with cancer. You had to deal with your anxiety. So mm -hmm. you have to put a, a framework around it and say, okay, it's hard for me, but now what possibilities do I have to change that? So that's mm -hmm. a great exercise. One of my favorite exercises, and there are dozens of these in the book um, to guide writers and to guide those who are – you know, even just, I, I think the book is great for storytellers. At least that's what yeah. my readers are telling me, storytellers as well as writers um, and therapists, obviously, to use with, with patients. But um, it, it's really, really helpful just to um, mm -hmm. find your new possibilities. Wonderful. Now, what I like about your book is the fact that it has many writing prompts. You have many writing prompts in your book to help readers start writing their story. So for someone who is new to writing, what exactly is a writing prompt and how does it help? Okay, um, I after 30 years of teaching writing, I've been uh, pretty much programmed um, to create ideas to help other people find their words because it's easy not to have our words, not to be able to voice who we are. And so I figured one of the, the, um, the important pieces I could bring to the book were the actual prompts that I use, have used with students and use with uh, my veterans and now with my cancer patients as well. So I, the prompts are just writing ideas. And I mm -hmm. try to give a lot of them because I think everybody's on their own journey and they have to find their own way. And generally, I find in groups when I work with people that um, they'll find a few prompts that they can't let go of. They find something, some idea that they want to write about. Mm -hmm. um, and if I can get them to release the fact, um, it's really important in, in writing to transform your life that you understand it's not about grammar and it's not about um, sentence punctuation. It's, it's yeah. spelling. It's, it's, about, it's about you finding your way and saying what you need to say in whatever way you want, whether it's a list or a poem or sure. uh, a script, you can do it as you choose. <laughs> and that, mm -hmm. that matters because it will give you your voice if you can put it out there in a form format that feels right to you. Wonderful. So there you go, Action Tribe. Sometimes, especially whether you're a 
professional writer or someone who wants to write out their story the process of writing uh, can be sometimes uh, difficult in the sense that you might have sort of a writer's block and you know you're stuck you know you feel stuck but uh-huh. these writing prompts are amazing because they are sort of these prompts and these words that help you gain some momentum and of course if you want to you know know about all these writing prompts then the book that you need is the story you need to tell and we'll share more about how you can uh, get that book yourself uh, but sandra uh, for those listening to this episode right now and based on what you shared so far what is that one action step that you'd like to share with our listeners today i think um i think the most important thing i help people will take from my book, The Story You Need to Tell, is that we can transform our stories. That we are, um, it's, it's amazing the gifts we have been given as human beings. And we have the power um, to break our silence and we have the power to find our way forward and to rewrite and change our lives to be better lives. Um, and I hope people will break their silence and find their words, whether it's through storytelling or through writing, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful, meditative, reflective process that can make your life, certainly has made my life, so much better. So I should try to access the show notes for today's episode to read the inspirational quote share, the book recommendation, and other nuggets. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash 238. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 238 to get the information. You will face your greatest opposition when you are closest to your biggest miracle. This is a powerful quote by Shannon Alder. Action Tribe, are you facing a challenge right now? Chances are that you might be going through a financial challenge or a health challenge or a relationship challenge. And no matter how much you try, it feels like this will never end. I want you to hold on to your goals and dreams because there is always hope. I know that you are strong, courageous and full of determination. And that this too shall pass. The very fact that you've taken time today to listen to this episode, this empowering message shows that you have it in you to overcome this phase. And when you feel like you are at the brink of all your energy and the opposition is too powerful, then it usually means that you are really, really close to a big miracle. So keep that in mind. And Sandra, let's go back to a time when you faced a major life challenge how did you come across it and then what steps did you take to get out of it or to overcome it oh i i um again i'm honored to say that um i think we're all faced with these very very difficult challenges um as soon as i finished with my my cancer i learned that my young son had cancer and that was um whoa <laughs> that certainly knocked me over and once again what i did was i t- turned um, to prayer and prayer and meditation, which I think of as the same for me, and I turned um, to friends, and I turned to my writing and the chance to um, spiritually write uh, to my higher self, um, to the universe, to find um, the path, to find the way to go, and I found it. I found it there, so that's what I did. So based on what you shared in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with Action Tribe? I think we can overcome. I think we will get knocked down, and I think there is absolutely no question 
that if we keep the faith, if we keep our hope, if we find our words, our voice, break our silence, we can move forward. We are resilient people. Wonderful. I think uh, your story is really inspiring and the fact that you do not give up even though it seemed like you were knocked down you did not give up you kept rising again and again and not only that you uh, focused on service of servicing the people around you and changing their lives it's really inspiring and what you shared with us today is that action drive you will get knocked down multiple times over uh, and that's just the human condition is to go through trials and challenges and suffering as well to really find out what you're made of and then take steps towards overcoming that and changing yes. your life and that it's not over until you win. Beautifully That's said. Les Brown. Beautifully <laughs> said. <laughs> so thanks a lot for sharing those wonderful words with us, Sandra. Action Tribe, have you learned something new on today's session? I know you have. If you're inspired right now, motivated to do something new, or if you've heard a quote that really resonates with you, then make sure you share a post on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, using the hashtag My7Chakras and hashtag Action Tribe. That's My7Chakras or hashtag Action Tribe. And let us feel your presence online. You may not be an avid social media person, but there is no harm in spreading positivity online, right? Who knows? Someone, somebody reading your post or your message uh, you know, might just be inspired to find out about our show and find out about our community. Uh, so make sure you fulfill your role as an action taker in spreading the light and spreading the word. Now, before we move on, I want to talk, uh, take a few minutes to talk about uh, discouragement and suffering as well. Uh, like we're learning today, act, as an action taker, you have two things going on in your mind. You know, one is your goal or your vision, and the other thing is the action and the plan that you are going to use to get there. But sometimes that one action might not immediately get you closer to your dream, or it may get you a bit closer, but you might not even notice, right? And for many of us, that might be a source of disappointment, some sadness, and a feeling that, you know, there's a lot of failure in your life. And if that is you, I want you to know that you are on the right track. It is better to take action and fail than to take no action at all. You know, sometimes your steps might actually be taking you closer and closer to your goals, but you don't even realize that. And sometimes you have uh, no idea how close you are to your goals. So you are not the first one who feels that way. Everyone does. Every leader, every visionary, every achiever and every expert has gone through this phase of feeling discouraged or disillusioned. But remember that this is not the end. This is far from the end because the more you try, the better you get and practice is the key. And as Dale Carnegie once so powerfully said, develop success from failures, discouragement and failure are two of the surest stepping stones to success. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. Uh, which comprises of four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action. So, Sandra, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Oh, I, I think without a doubt, Joseph Campbell's follow your bliss. I think we have to follow what we love. I think we have to do what we love and align ourselves with the universe in harmony that way. Name a personal habit that keeps you strong and keeps you going. Oh, a meditative prayer and personal writing with reflection. I, I often think my personal writing is my meditative <laughs> prayer with reflection. <laughs> Got it. So what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? Well, uh, lately I've had to let the dogs out. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, I'm, I'm joking because my 
my son um, taking care of his dogs, which is fun. But I let the dogs out, and then um, I return to my routine, which is really I make tea, um, and I do my meditative prayer, and then I usually light a candle, and I often follow that. Well, I always follow that with either a meditative reading or a meditative writing. Usually not both, usually one or the other. So name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. Oh, I, you know, I think a book that completely changed my life um, was during another difficult time, by the way. Um, when I was a freshman in college, I had, I had quite a struggle figuring myself out that first year. And I ended up in a bookstore finding a copy of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And I love that book because he, he talks about how we cannot avoid suffering, and he shares his experience in the concentration camps, but he also shows how to cope with it, that you, you can find meaning and you can define how you think about these difficult things, and that really changed my life. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, I know that you really, really love the books that I shared on the show, so uh, we're going to offer you one free book so that you not only... I mean, you're not able to read, but you can listen to this book because I'm not sure if you've heard about audible.com, but Audible is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out this new way of going through a book. Now, in case you don't know, Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your various devices, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and In New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I'm pretty sure that they have uh, this book by Viktor Frankl as well, Man's Search for Meaning. So to start listening to your audiobook, go to my7chakras.com forward slash freebook. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash freebook. If you haven't tried listening to a book yet, then I you know, highly recommend you do because I really, really love it. So Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today on today's uh, edition of My 7 Chakras. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're uh, grateful for and also tell us how we can find you online. I'm honored. Um, you can find me online at storyutel.com. And I am really thankful for an opportunity to connect and talk with you and your listeners. I think connection and sharing our ideas is a powerful and beautiful thing. Thank you for making this available. So there you go, Action Tribe. The link you need is storyutell.com. Uh, make sure you grab yourself a copy of this book because it's really powerful in helping you to make sense or first of all, find out what your story is and write it down and then make sense of the experiences that you had in a way that allows you to uh, transform your life. Uh, uh, instead of letting your stories transform you in a way that you might not want. So uh, make sure you get the book. Uh, the link you need is storyutel.com. Sandra, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of writing, of expressing and sharing your story and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. It, it was an honor to be here with you, AJ. Thank you so much. You're listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.